Hello and welcome to the Feels Like 45 podcast. I am Cade Webb and as always I am joined by Dustin Ragusa. Dustin, how are you on this Thursday evening? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for asking. I'm ready for some cowgirl softball and some cowboy baseball this weekend. What about you? Oh, I think I'm the same way, right? We usually yeah. lead off with football or basketball. This is a softball and baseball type of show. Today. <laughs> I mean, if you're an Oklahoma State fan and you've been listening to this podcast, this is the week we've been waiting for, right? Yes. I. We talk a lot of softball and baseball in this pod. Obviously, we're we're football first, probably basketball second, but we love softball and baseball and we try to give them the, the time they deserve on this pod. So we're bumping them to the front yeah. of the agenda this well, time. Welcome to the top. And th- this is what it feels like. So, so soak it in. And uh, I mean, let's get after it because the cowgirls tonight take on the Arizona wildcats. And some are saying that this is a really good draw for Oklahoma state. And if you look at the bracket, it is as they are the highest seed on that side of the bracket. Uh, Dustin, I mean, your thoughts on the matchup, just uh, overall where they're at in the bracket, and then we can kind of move on into actually the Arizona Wildcats. Yeah, so to get here, Oklahoma State took down Clemson, who was the 10 seed, in two games, a pretty dominant outing from Kelly Maxwell in the first one, complete game, 13 Ks, just two hits and one walks. Clemson's kind of a crazy story if you watched either of the games the announcers probably mentioned it I don't know 3,000 times that Clemson's only a three-year-old program but <laughs> but it is pretty cool it is pretty cool they got there Clemson went with Millie Thompson as the pitcher in the first game Cagle who pitched the second game is I think more of their ace I saw Kenny Gajewski said he was a little surprised they went with Thompson the Cowgirls though weren't really getting much going against her we had Taylor Tuck starting things off with a double in the bottom half of the fifth. That kind of got things going there. Um, and they were able to score two. Evans and Alexander were both able to score to make it 2-0. And late in the game, Clemson just I mean, – they just really couldn't do anything at all against Maxwell, so they were able to win that one. And then in game two, Morgan Day took the mound for the Cowgirls. She got in a little bit of trouble in a few innings. She went through five. But – Pitched really well overall. Kelly Maxwell comes in for, finishes the game out. I felt very bad, Cade. I know you watched for Clemson shortstop, uh, Aliyah Logaleo. She had, I think it was three errors in a row, and they were costly. It was the inning the Cowgirls scored most of their runs. Some are saying it, it lost them the game, Dustin. Yes, it was. It was tough to watch. Uh, we had Carly Petty hit a home run later in the game. They end up winning that one five to one. But overall, Kate, what was your take on that Clemson series before we kind of get into the World Series? It, it was a pretty dominant performance by the Cowgirls, I thought. It was total domination. And what more can you say about Kelly Maxwell? I mean, she was – you talk about dominant. That's, that's what she was. And it's, it wasn't unexpected – 
to see the Cowgirls struggle on offense. Um, we've seen it up and down at times this year. And so that's and these not, are good pitchers. And that's where I was going. They are good pitch. This is a good pitching staff. And so not to put the cart before the horse, but you look ahead to Arizona, who maybe is a little bit less like Clemson, maybe a little bit better hitting team with the unstable pitching situation. Anyway, what we saw against Clemson, you laid it out perfectly, struggle on offense, but you lean on that pitching staff that just continues to do what they have done all season, um, and that's shut teams down. And, I mean, Kelly Maxwell and Morgan Day did just that, and, um, you know, I mean, it gets them to the, to the College World Series with really no, no sweat off their back. And that's, that's as good as you can ask for in a series like that. I think Oklahoma struggled more with Texas A&M than Oklahoma State struggled with Clemson. So there you go. Yeah, and kid, I think my player of the super regional was Carly Petty. You know, she's we've seen fantastic. her kind of we've seen her move around a little bit. She's played some first, some third, some second in the outfield. When her bat's going, Kenny wants her in the lineup. When it's not going, he takes her out. You know, we've seen Bree Evans at second a lot this year, the freshman. But he's gone with Petty recently at second base. She's played really well in the field. She had the homer. Her bat's been hot. Yep. She's she's fun to watch out there and her and Kylie Naomi in the middle of that infield have been pretty spectacular lately. And I think, I think it's been really, really great for the cowgirls love Bree. She's been awesome all year and she's got a long career ahead of her, but I think Kenny going with Petty is, has been huge. And Cade, you know, you, you talked about it, Arizona, they've got, so in their side of the brackets, you mentioned it at the beginning of the show, a little bit better draw for them than I think the other side of the bracket so it's Oklahoma State, Florida, Oregon State, and Arizona. Florida is the 14 seed. Oregon State and Arizona both are not seeded, and both of their RPIs are actually outside of the top 25. And the reason why that happens is because the tournament bracket, there's bracket one and bracket two. The teams that make it from the Super Regional into the College World Series, they don't get reseeded. You just are in bracket two in the College World Series and in bracket one until you get to that final championship game. Yeah. So really, if they if they reseeded Oregon State and Arizona would probably have been like the seven and eight seed. And I think OU probably would have been playing against an Oregon State or an Arizona instead of playing against a nine seed Northwestern who (laughs) they dominated today. But right. That's another story. But it's it's odd. I mean, do you think that's weird that they don't kind of reseed them there or, or, you know, I mean, they don't do that in like the college basketball tournament or anything like that. It just seems like in this. For this, it's a little weird how it's set up. Yeah, it's it is a little weird until you think about it as like it's like the March, it's like the NCAA tournament bracket for basketball. It's, it's just, just a like tournament. It's just a literally double a, elimination tournament. Yeah. It's a double elimination tournament, and so it is strange though that Oklahoma State gets the better draw, but that's because the team that they would have played in this first round gets knocked out. I mean, way back earlier. So you you end up with an Arizona because they they're the Cinderella. So that's basically what it is. Oklahoma State, you know, takes care of business and they reap the benefits of, of I can't even remember who the number two. I think it was actually Florida State was the two seed that got knocked out in their regional. So that's why you end up with an Arizona. And so they're hot right now. And I know it's weird to be, you know, previewing Arizona on the night that they play. Like, who knows? Maybe we launch this and you can listen to our preview like simultaneously as things are going on. So we'll see what happens there. But the reason we will go into them is because they are on the same side of the bracket. And you could see Oklahoma State in a scenario where they have to play Arizona again. 
And so Dustin, just really kind of going right into them, Arizona, I think this is a really good matchup for Oklahoma State. They are better with the bats, but they struggle in the pitching department. And one fun note is that the Ellis sisters are going up against each other, which yes. I didn't know this. And I thought that that was pretty cool. So it's Maddie, right? Yeah. Maddie and Miranda. Yeah. I'm sure they kept that straight in the, in the Ellis household <laughs> yeah. growing up. <laughs> She's a true freshman pitcher for Arizona. So that is really cool. Great point there, Kate. And you, you hit it right on the head. I, I wrote down some stats for all three of these teams outside of Oklahoma state. They're, they're the, a good hitting team. So yep. they're 12th in batting average in the country at 324 team average. They're on base percentage. They're 15th in the nation, 20th in scoring. Then you flip it to the other side, 96th in fielding percentage. I believe they're the worst fielding percentage team still in mm. the tournament. 145th in ERA at 3.7. And their uh, strikeout to walk ratio, 125th. So it's all about the bats for them. And Kate, this is a strange team they started out pac 12 play oh and eight i think at one point they were Wild. 10 and two and they come back uh on the backs of their pitch so their pitchers are hannah bowen and devin nets so kind of and they've actually pitched really well in yeah. postseason play way better than they pitched during the regular season but on the offensive side there's paris chica skaggs pacho scope i think it's scuppin is how you say it they're the hitters and they have the bats, I think, to maybe give this Oklahoma State defense and Oklahoma State pitching staff a little bit of trouble. But like you said, I love the matchup overall because I think Oklahoma State will be able to hit on them. So even if Kelly gives up one or two runs, which would you know, be a lot more than she normally gives up, I think Oklahoma State's going to be able to put up a six, seven, eight spot on the board. And I'm not really that concerned with Arizona, even if they were – were to go with Morgan Day if they were to face him a second time, if Arizona fought their way out of the loser's bracket, which I don't think they will have to. I, I think I think Oklahoma State takes this team down because I think the bats will get going against this pitching staff. Yeah, you, you nailed it, and that's exactly what I was thinking. I think Oklahoma State's pitching is going to be enough to allow the bats to give them something. Um, it, I've said it for most of this, this season that – the cowgirls remind me of the Royals when they won the world series, they're not going to overwhelm you offensively, but they are going to smother you with pitching and defense and timely hitting. And that is literally what they have done all postseason, late in the year. And so I think that's a key to success tonight too. You don't, you could put up an eight spot. That'd be great. I think they run away with it if they do, but I don't think they have to do that. I, I could see this being a four to two type of ball game, three to one type of ball game a very classic Oklahoma state cowgirl win uh, because that's what we've seen. And I think Arizona's strengths and weaknesses play into that. So. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I like that. I like that prediction as well. So Kate, the next team we want to talk about, you want to go to Florida? We might as well, right? Florida is a team Cade. If they make it out of this side of the bracket, I think they have the overall talent to beat an OU, a UCLA, maybe not in maybe not in a multiple game series, but I think they could at least win one against those teams. I know they're the 14 seed, but they are a really, really good team. I'll go through the same stats for them. 15th in batting average at 317, 18th in on-base percentage, 32nd in scoring, fourth in fielding percentage, 
30th in ERA, 146 in strikeout to walk ratio, which, Kate, that leads me to my next point. The only real issue Florida has had this year is inconsistency on their pitching staff and walking a lot of people. Mm. They can hit. They are, overall talent-wise, they've they're one of the better teams still left that's what i'm saying up there with the osu up there with an ou they've just been inconsistent and they always recruit at such a high level like you almost expect florida to be there um and it's it's kind of weird to see them ranked as low as a 14 because you're used to seeing them at like two three four even one uh in in a lot of years until oklahoma does what they do so um, no, I completely agree with you, Dustin. Talent is not going to be the issue. It's going to, it's going to be if they can put it all together and make a run here late. I think it's clearly Oklahoma state's biggest competition on this side of the bracket. Um, and if things go chalk, you know, that's who Oklahoma state takes on. Uh, they don't play tomorrow. They would play Saturday, right? Yeah. If they win, they would play Saturday at six central time. If they lose, they play tomorrow night. Okay. Great to know. I, that's the way I see it going. I mean, I, I, Oregon State, as we speak, though, has a one nothing lead in the bottom of the second. And them and Arizona, they, they're kind of – they remind me of each other a little bit. So, anyway. Yeah, and Florida, like you said, they're a great team. Uh, their pitchers are Hightower and Delbury. They've got Wallace and Falby both batting over 400. And then Adams, Kissler, and Lindsey are all solid hitters. They absolutely destroyed – Virginia Tech in the winner take all game in the super regional 12 to zero in five innings run rule. So they just, they're hot right now. They're probably going to be the toughest team in this side of the bracket. And you kind of segued us right into Oregon state, another team that, you know, kind of barely made it in the tournament. And now they're in the college world series. When I take you through their stats, (laughs) they're kind of the opposite of Arizona almost if you read through their stats so batting average 119th at 274 on base percentage 159th 97th in scoring they're 54th in fielding percentage and k this is how they made it to the college world series eighth in era fifth in strikeout to walk ratio mazen and i think it's hendigas they are phenomenal on the mound and I think that makes them a good matchup for OSU and for Kelly Maxwell, because I think that turns into your typical Oklahoma state game, a three, one, three, two game. Cause I think at some point Oklahoma state's bats will get going against this team. And I don't think there's any way they could hit Kelly Maxwell. Well, I love what you said there. And I want to be clear when I said Oregon state and Arizona remind me of each other, it's more the path they took to get here. Oh, they won, yeah, a, yeah. Sorry. They won a lot of, no, I know. I just, I can only imagine as so many people listen to this. Uh, I just wanted to point that out, but no, I think you nailed it. And, and as you watch the game going on right now, they're pitching out of jams. I mean, that's just what they do. Their, their fielding is really solid. Um, and you have to have something as, as a team like that, that is head and shoulders above the rest that gets you there. And that's pitching. Um, and that'll, that'll do it. That'll do it. So, yeah. So Kate, overall, I think Oklahoma state makes it out of here pretty easy. I wanted to get your, your take on that, but I, I think, I think they beat Arizona tonight. I think it's Florida on Saturday. I think they take them and I think they end up making it to the, to the championship game. Well, I want a piece of Oregon State to exact our revenge for uh, last year's NCAA basketball tournament. 
do you think there's any do you think there's any way Oklahoma State doesn't make it out of here? Yeah, I mean it's postseason play. Um, it's always tough to win those games. Just end of sentence. Um, you run into some of these teams who are hot. There's a reason they won those regionals. I know it's a good matchup on paper, uh, but there is a there's a element to it that can't be explained in like chemistry and momentum, and um, you never know. But Oklahoma State's hot too, and so um, I I do think there are ways Oklahoma State could get you know knocked out, but I don't think it's going to be before a you know shot to get to the title series. They're, I think they're going to get to that point, and it's going to see if it's going to be if they can close the door and and move on or not. Yeah, I completely agree. And Cade, you might have just segued perfectly into the next point because the person who got them here, our guy, Kenny Gajewski. <laughs> they got her, they got the man. He got him a little contract extension. Can you can you tell us a little about that? Well, I sure can, Dustin. And and before we get there, I mean, when you saw the news, I mean, we there's been a lot of speculation that Kenny Gajewski, uh, because he wasn't um, you know, I mean it's always tough. The salary is one thing. He, he brings Oklahoma state to a, a, a unforeseen heights really. And Texas A&M opens up with uh, unlimited resources, so to speak. That alone was enough to probably get this deal over the hump. And you knew it was coming. At least I thought it was coming, but that, that had to be the case, right? That had to be what pushed this forward. Yeah, I, I've heard it several spots that they're that Texas A&M was coming after him pretty hard after they let go of uh, uh, Joe Evans. Yeah, she was there for a long time at Texas. So apparently, I saw. I think Pokes report. I saw reported uh, the In the Circle podcast. They said something about it. Seen it a couple of places. So apparently, they were coming after him pretty hard. And shortly after that, like you said, Oklahoma State gives him the contract yeah, extension. Got a big note. That's a big no yeah. for you, Texas A&M. <laughs> um, I, so, well, sorry, Dustin. They, they didn't release financial details. I haven't seen them at least. Um, and I'm sure those will come at, at a later date. But sometimes there are deals that are made. It's just like sign and, and deal, which is very weird, but it does happen. Um, and so that could be what's going on here. But Coach G wants to be in Stillwater, and Stillwater wants Coach G um a new stadium needs to get built i tweeted it yes. like th this is their third straight appearance in the college world series it's never happened before in stillwater um and you go and dominate clemson to get there and it's like the expectation was a college world series like i i think you and i would have been legitimately disappointed if that clemson series would have gone any other way right you just probably had that ex expectation that they were going to move on yeah and now that they're in it, I think the expectation is make it to the championship matchup, which is but, which is exactly why he deserves an extension. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. So, and he took you know Oklahoma State was having some down years before he got here, so it's it's I and they've always been a good program. I say down years, they up and down years, but he's been consistently good. And I think Chad Weiberg and the rest of the Oklahoma State athletic department have realized that they need to do something to keep this guy here. So. I wouldn't be shocked if we hear some news on a softball stadium coming out, not really soon, but sometime in the near future, because he's been pushing that so hard. And that had to have been talked about when his deal got signed. Well, you saw all of those uh, 
fans in the outfield, all the fans watching the game beyond outfield. They're watching it in uh, folding chairs in, in like the parking lot on a TV. Like those people need seats in Oklahoma State, frankly, should be able to sell those tickets. So yeah, it, that's why this is important. I completely agree. And the, you know the capacity of that stadium is listed at 750? 750 people. <laughs> it's wild and it looks like it frankly it's just it's overdue at this point um but it is it will be well deserved and um you know i don't know when that happens not certainly not reporting anything but um it will be well deserved and, and coach g whatever he gets paid uh will will earn every penny and you know especially if they end up in the championship series with a shot at it so yeah i i agree and Kate, before we move before we move to baseball I did want to just shout out uh, Kelly Maxwell, first team D1 softball American and Miranda Ellis, second team. I believe there was one other All-American list that came out and they were the same Maxwell first team, Ellis second team. So they both had amazing seasons watching Miranda Ellis come over. And I don't know if you've watched, I know you have, but our listeners, if you haven't watched any of the OSU Max videos on her, just kind of her struggles that she went through with mental health and everything and kind of yeah. coming back and having an amazing year this year and just you can tell she's having a good time just a great story and then kelly maxwell i she's so awesome i i love how she never celebrates she never even really smiles you see her in post game post game press conferences and it's still hard to get her to smile she it's, says that's just how she's always been that's how she's been raised her parents are like that but i love it i love that attitude because it's she's just you know kind of intimidating and she's unique because morgan day and miranda ellis are very animated emotional players they wear it on their sleeve kelly maxwell is just a buzzsaw and she expects to go out there and, and cut you down so um, it's very interesting and just just to call back to one point you just made there miranda ellis talking about her mental health and almost giving up on softball and then coming to oklahoma state and like finding that love for softball again is a phenomenal story they've, they've talked about it on broadcast this year so if you've watched watched osu softball you would know that um but the osu max documentary is phenomenal so highly recommend that it's just a great story it makes it, it an even easier person to root for so yeah no uh well we're pumped i know sorry that we're getting this out a little late that was my fault this week so you won't be able to you probably won't be able to listen to this like kate said you may be able you to may be able to, to live listen live listen <laughs> but that's my fault apologies but hopefully uh hopefully the rest of that preview helps you out to know a little bit about this side of the bracket so well i mean dustin let's move on just a few few feet uh, across campus oklahoma state baseball hosting a regional and uh we didn't think i mean based on our podcast last week and the results of the big 12 tournament did you think oklahoma state was going to host a regional no it was funny and you know those so ncaa put it out on their twitter the host sites but they didn't say the seeds right so when the when the host sites came out, I, I probably had them, and I know you and I text a little bit about this, and we talked with some of our GPS buddies about this. I had them somewhere in like the 12 to 15, maybe 16. I thought that would have been too. too low. 12 to 15 range. Me too. So I'm actually, I was actually at a wedding uh, in Colorado this weekend with a buddy that used to play at Oklahoma State. Um, weird flex, I know. But him and I are just like, they got to be 14, 13, somewhere in that range. And we're still together the next day. Like, whoa, no way. <laughs> there are seven seed hosts in the Super. So I, I don't think I don't think anybody had them as hosting. And shout out to uh, shout out to the O'Brate family, because I think the stadium helped out a little bit there. 
no doubt about it, Dustin. I mean, that, that has to play a part in it, but I mean, I had them at like 14, 15, 16, maybe even because there was, uh, I believe Kendall Rogers of D one baseball. And if I'm getting this wrong, like, I'm sorry, Kendall, but I thought I saw something late in that week that said Oklahoma state needs a late run. Um, and they didn't really have it. I mean, they got to the semifinals, but they weren't able to get over that hump. And I thought they needed two wins over Texas to be really solid about it. But we were talking about 14, 15, 16, 13. We weren't talking about number seven and a, and a national seed. But it's probably deserved, right? I mean, we really highlighted that Texas Tech and uh, Dallas Baptist series, that stretch of games over that one week, as the setback. And I thought that that would be enough to push Oklahoma state into um, not hosting a regional because they then went and lost to Baylor and then they lost to Baylor or they lost to uh, Texas and it just didn't feel good. And then you wake up and they're a number seven seed and they're going to host a super just, I didn't see it coming, but I think you probably have a good point. So shout out to the O'Brate family. Cause that helps. <laughs> yeah. So there. It's not, it's not absolutely insane. I mean, they're 10th they're tenth in RPI. Their non-conference strength of schedule is 19th. Their overall strength of schedule is 15th. I think that non-conference strength of schedule just really played into the mix. You look at some of the teams in their range Vandy, in the yeah. 50s, in the 100s, and Oklahoma State's sitting there with a the non-conference strength of schedule at 19, you know, on the road at Vanderbilt, playing Gonzaga at home, Dallas Baptist these are games that really boosted that along with the big 12, just being a solid conference. And it, it was weird that some of the team, I mean, TCU, you know, not hosting that winning the big 12 regular season. It's, it, it's a little odd, you know, Oh, you won the, won the tournament. Um, but you know, that's funny that they're not. So uh, overall, it's just, just crazy. I, that they did do a little bit in the big 12 tournament, Kate. I know, I know we haven't really, they hit did, on that, yeah. but, you know, they, they take that first loss to Texas. We won't, won't go game by game through this because it was a little while ago now, but they take that first loss to Texas. They come back, Justin Campbell and the offense dominate Baylor, 11-1 run rule. TCU, they take them down 8-4, to four, which, what, that evens that series up because TCU won it 2-1, so it's technically 2-2 on the season there now. They come back against Texas and beat them 8-1, to one. And then lose to Texas in Texas pretty dominant fashion there. Huey Morrill just didn't really have it that day. And they make it to the semifinals. But but overall, the, the bats were going. Yep. Like I said, Campbell looked good. Ryan Bogus coming in and pitching, <laughs> pitching almost a complete game against Texas in that first game and his first ever start. Just absolutely dominant performance yeah, by pretty him. Pretty nasty. That, that's just some solid momentum. I know they lost that last game to Texas, but they had just beat them right before. I think, I think you throw that Texas loss away, and I think you go. You're technically riding a three game winning streak into the Stillwater Regional, and, and I, I like what I'm seeing. I completely agree. I left the Big Twelve tournament thinking the exact same thing. The bats were going, pitching was phenomenal. I mean, you had somebody step up that you didn't predict. Ryan Bogus. I don't know if you had him on your bingo card, but if you did, uh, nice call because I did not. And he was dominant in that game against Texas. And I really think it's as simple as Oklahoma State ran out of gas. I mean, they played a lot of baseball in those three days. Um, I know everybody else did as well, but uh, I, I just think they ran out of gas and more importantly, they ran out of pitching. I mean, Huey Morrill starting that game, 
I'm not dogging him. He's done a great job this season. You, you can't throw Justin Campbell, even though they really, really probably wanted to, um, because you get to the championship game and then you're, you're without an arm. And so, um, you totally get why they did what they did, but, um, yeah, I think you absolutely throw that game out and you just look forward to the regional and Stillwater. And this, this is an intriguing field in Stillwater. So Oklahoma state hosting Arkansas, Grand Canyon, and Missouri state. And there's some history with each of these teams, um, Arkansas, Oklahoma state was in the Fayetteville regional in 2017. So three of these four teams were in that regional in Fayetteville when Missouri state walked off on Oklahoma state. If you remember that way back in the day, um, these teams have some familiarity and Oklahoma state played grand Canyon last year in the Tucson regional. So these teams know a little bit about each other. Yeah. And so they'll take on, they'll take on Missouri state tomorrow, Friday at six o'clock central. And then they'll either play, if they lose, they'll play at noon on Saturday. If they win, they'll play at six on Saturday, which originally the schedule came out and those games were flip-flop, which made no sense. Yeah, the it was high weird. seed would play at six and then have to play again at noon. So that has been corrected. They would play at six on Saturday if they win against either Arkansas or Grand Canyon. So, Kay, do you want to just kind of walk through these teams really quick? I would love to. Let's, you want to start with Missouri State, who Oklahoma State's playing first? We, we might as well. A little hot so, right now. Yeah, so Missouri State, they have had kind of a crazy season, as Kate said. They played Oklahoma State earlier this year, lost 5-1 to one in a midweek game where Dylan Marsh pitched pretty well. The bats were decent in that game. I, I believe Earhart and Jake Thompson both had three hits, I think, in that game. And Missouri State actually threw – it was a midweek game, but they actually threw three of their guys who I think are third, fourth, and fifth in overall innings pitched – so it wasn't like they were going with a guy like Dylan Marsh, who Oklahoma State hasn't lost a ton this year or hasn't used a ton this year. But they're a solid offensive team, not a great team batting average at 291. That's not terrible. It's it's solid. They hit a lot of home runs, right? 99 on the season. They've got Spencer Nivens, Walker Jenkins, Drake Baldwin, and Dakota Katowski. Katowski's only a 251 hitter, but he's got 23 homers on the year. They're pitching, on the other hand, a team here at 561 or uh, 5.61. They've got Adam Link, Forrest Burns, Ryan Rodriguez, Jake uh, Mahill. A couple of those guys are starters, a couple of relievers, Rodriguez and uh, Mick Mahill. Are, uh, that's their closer. I'm not super scared of them. The, the reason they got in is that Missouri Valley Conference Tournament win. I don't think they're getting in if they don't win that. And I, 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 I just don't think – I don't think they can handle – I know it's – so it's going to be Victor Medeiros yeah. going against them tomorrow. They're going to save Campbell for the Saturday game. Medeiros has looked good recently. I, I just don't think – I'm not really worried about this Missouri State game. I, and I love the decision to go with Medeiros because it is a good matchup for Oklahoma State. you got you got to win the first game against the four seed. I really don't care. You're the, you're the number seven national seed. You have everything in front of you go take care of business because I'm looking ahead and I hope the team is not, but that's what you and I do. Dustin, we have a podcast for this specific reason. We look ahead. And so I'm looking at Arkansas and who they used to be. And I don't mean to breeze past Missouri state, but it's the elephant in the room to me. They, they were the number four team in May on my birthday, four weeks ago, they were the number four team in the country. So 
This is a good baseball team. They are not playing well as of late. And as we talked about with softball and right now that matters, but, and I know we'll go through them all, but like, that's what I'm looking forward to is the Saturday matchup. And you love them hanging on to Campbell for that. Yeah. Okay. This Arkansas team, they have been so inconsistent that, like you said, they, they were super hyped at the beginning of the season. Were really good last year. They just got guys on their team who aren't hitting this year. Second baseman, uh, Robert Moore, Bob Moore, if you will. He was had a great bat last year, and he's just been really inconsistent this season at the plate. He's a really good defensive player. Him and Jalen Battles, their shortstop, their middle infield may be the best in the country, definitely the best in this regional. And I, that's saying something with Marcus Brown and Rock Riggio in here yeah. as well, two guys that you and I both love. So they've got a 269 batting average. This is a team that can crush the ball when they get hot. That There's bats on this team who are, that are sleeping giants, and that, like you alluded to, is scary to me. But a team batting average of just 269, they're led by Michael Turner, their catcher, Caden Wallace, third baseman, Braden Webb, their center fielder, and then Jalen Battles, who I mentioned. Nobody's batting over 300. The most home runs that out of those guys I just mentioned, Webb has 14. They've got a lot of doubles out of those four that I just mentioned, but their strength is their pitching. A team area of 392, they've got Connor Nolan, the starter, Hagen Smith, another starter, Evan Taylor's one of their left-handed relievers, and then Brady Tigert, their closer, They've all been solid this year. All have got great arms. That's where Arkansas has made their money this year. But the problem is, if they can get the bats going, their pitching is going to be decent. Their bullpen is very, very good. They're a little worrisome. If you just compare aces, Dustin, I, I love knowing that that's not a great hitting team right now. They are worrisome, no doubt about it. But if I'm comparing aces and I'm trying to predict who's going to go against each other in a, in a potential Saturday matchup, you're looking at a Justin Campbell with a record of 9-2, and two, a 3.4 ERA, okay? And then you're looking at Arkansas's ace, Connor Noland, with a 5-5 five and five record and a 4 ERA. So – these are these are a little bit different caliber aces. Connor Nolan's a good pitcher, don't get me wrong, and and Brady Tiger's good as well. They've got good pitching, just like Oklahoma State does. But I think Oklahoma State's bats could give them a little bit of an edge in this series. It should. Now, if something were to change, Arkansas absolutely has the the ability to upset them and and move on out of this regional. And so I. I don't imagine that Oklahoma state is sleeping all that well right now, knowing that they've got to take, take care of business uh, against a really good team who was ranked as high as number four, four weeks ago. Yeah, I agree with you. And you're not going to get anything cheap against Arkansas. No, nope. their ninth in fielding percentage. Like I said, that their infield is amazing. Their outfield is amazing. Solid catcher. If they, they've got to get on the board, like you mentioned, they've got to get on the board early against this team and just let Campbell go to work if that's who they face on Saturday. And like I said, there's some sleeping giants at the plate, guys that can hit that just haven't been this year. That's a scary but, thing for me. Yeah, but but if they're – and I think that's probably why Josh and Rob decided to wait on Campbell because if the Arkansas bats are hot, which they have been hot of late, it could be a problem. But going against an ace like Campbell, I, I think they're going to be okay. 
Yeah, I think so too, Dustin. And and just real quickly on Grand Canyon, another team in this regional, Oklahoma State played them last year uh, in that Tucson regional. This is an interesting team. They also they can cracked, bash. They cracked the top twenty-five this year as well. These guys can hit. Team batting average of three oh nine. Kate, this might be a hot take. I, I don't think it's a hot take because I know the D1 baseball guys agree, but they may have the best overall player in the regional of Jacob Wilson, their shortstop. The dude is a freak in the field. He's been batting 353 with 11 home runs at the plate. I think this is a future really high round draft pick. Fielder, I think Justin Campbell's probably the best. He's only player. struck out seven times this year <laughs> this guy, with a 353 this, average. This guy is really, really good. Uh, they've got Juan Colado batting 384, Elijah Burry's their first baseman batting 341, Taylor Aguilar batting 310 in right field. These guys can hit, and their pitching hasn't been bad either. 448 ERA. They've got Nick Hole and uh, Eli and Kenny. Out of the bullpen, Vince Riley's probably their best guy out of there. And then uh, Daniel Avietta, who's another reliever. Uh, Riley, sorry, is their closer. Uh, Avietta's out of the bullpen. Riley is 7-1 and one with 14 saves. Eesh. Yeah, you don't want to run into that is kind of where you're, <laughs> where you're going. This team's going to beat Arkansas. You think so? Uh, I could see it. Well, I really could see it. They can hit. Just based on the way you described them, I don't know who's a more difficult matchup for Oklahoma State. Is it Grand Canyon or Arkansas? Arkansas, top to bottom, has has a ton of talent, as much as there is in the country. But this seems like a team that could give Arkansas and Oklahoma State troubles. They, they made the conference tournament as an at-large bid out of the whack. How does that I happen? Think, I don't think they've ever had – and at large bid two teams in there they went 25 and 5 in the conference they slipped up in the conference tournament which is why they didn't win it 41 and 19 and they've had some they've played some solid teams this year at, at like in the non-con some Oregon State Arizona Texas Tech Stanford they they've played some solid teams and I don't think they're scared of Arkansas. They, they strike me as that feisty 12 seed that made a run through the, the conference tournament in like in the basketball tournament and makes a deep run like that. <laughs> you, I do not like when teams come off of conference tournaments that hot and they're not really supposed to be that good. Usually it's not a great recipe for anybody else. I agree. I, I think Oklahoma state makes it out. Cade. I, I mean, what about you? I think they do as well. Um, seeing Arkansas as the two seed in this regional felt a little strange, but I think what Oklahoma State gained in national seed, they lose in caliber of the two seed in this regional. I just think Arkansas is really good. And so maybe not playing as well as they could be, but still potentially a difficult matchup. I like Oklahoma State to get out of this. It's precarious, though. Yeah, it sounds like Bryce Osmond is feeling better. He had the arm soreness, but I don't – according to the D1 baseball guys, I, Josh Holiday hasn't said anything, but it sounds like he's not going to go this weekend. But I do think Zach Earhart, who kind of came up limping in that last game against Texas in the Big 12 tournament, he is apparently a full go. So they should have everybody – You know, obviously Medeiros is back. They should have everybody ready to go – except for Osmond, it sounds like. And if they get out of the tournament, they'll face 
whoever comes out of the Chapel Hill regional, which would be UNC, Hofstra, VCU, or Georgia. UNC is the host. They're the 10 seed. A lot of people are picking Georgia to come out of there, though. Interesting. I don't know a ton about North Carolina. I will by next week's podcast, though, because I'm picking the Cowboys to get there. And I would imagine that North Carolina gets out of that. But I have seen that Georgia uh, is a trendy pick there. So um, I, I would love nothing more than Oklahoma State, North Carolina. you got to go orange on, on Tar Heel Blue in O'Bright Stadium, right? Ooh, How cool would that, that be? That would be wild. I'm, I think I'm going to try to – I think, well, I'm going to be out of town. I was going to say I was going to try to make one of those super regional games, but I think I'm going to be out of town. Well, we're already making plans for the supers. I hope you're going to get up to a break this weekend. I know I'm going to try to. The weather looks kind of dicey, so we'll see what happens, um, but but not great. Uh, looks like it's going to storm literally all day Saturday, at least in the Oklahoma City area. So hopefully the rain holds out and uh, it's a great weekend in Stillwater. Dustin, before we move on, into the other portion of the podcast. I did want to take a quick break and say a quick thank you to Feels Like 45 podcast sponsor, Price Buckley with Edward Jones. Price is the fourth generation in his family to graduate from Oklahoma State University, and he loves working with fellow alumni. Price uses a personalized approach to build a custom investment strategy tailored to your unique goals and circumstances so that you can turn your ideal future into a reality. You can reach Price at 469-757-0290 or on his website at edwardjones.com forward slash Price hyphen Buckley. You spell it B-U-C-K-L-E-Y. Price, thank you for your support of the Feels Like 45 podcast. Dustin, just some quick notes to tackle uh, on the football side of things and basketball side of things before we move into listener questions. Cowboys got three night games in the non-conference, and you know what, what goes really good with three night games in Stillwater? is tailgating with some sooner tears about it. <laughs> yeah, so they're going to go Central Michigan at 6 p.m. on September 1st, Arizona State at 6.30 Central Time on September 10th, and then Arkansas Pine Bluff at 6 Central Time on September 17th. Pretty wild that they're all <laughs> that they're all night games. I don't like – I'll just be honest with you. I don't know how you feel about this. I don't love – the late night game against the FCS or, you know, bad division one school. I am much more an 11 a.m. kick for that type of game or even 230. But the 630 game against that type of school has always been weird. But I love the primetime game against Arizona State. That's going to be a lot of fun. Emory Jones back there for the Sun Devils, you would expect. That's going to be fun. And that's the game when the uh, 2002 Houston Bowl championship team is going to be on it. <laughs> before the game <laughs> that's so one of my earliest cool memories of oklahoma state football is that game yeah that'll be a lot of fun i i, I agree i i don't love the arkansas pine bluff game at six but i don't hate it i, I don't hate i love i like the night game so I, I don't ever say i hate it i'm not a huge fan of the 11 a.m so i'd probably rather the 6 p.m than the 11 but i'm a yeah i'm a 2 two thirty guy myself for those games yeah, so yeah, i agree same with you there. there well it's it's always good to know that and it's it's even fun to pour salt in the wound uh as you know it's been a pain in in oklahoma's side can't get a prime time kick to save their life so it's always fun when you can book an arkansas pine bluff to uh come to town at 6 30 uh, for a game like that and they released the uh all the bowl times so hopefully oklahoma state makes it to one of those playoff semifinal games which i believe is the peach bowl and the fiesta bowl this year let's just go back to let's just go back to tempe or glendale wherever it is now (laughs) these days i don't know 
I don't spend yeah. much time in Phoenix, Dustin. Sorry. <laughs> well, Dustin, another note to get to, and this is one we've talked about is as Oklahoma state loses Prince Pines out of the portal was going to potentially fill a slot and allow uh, Preston Wilson potentially to get back to that tackle spot. That is not going to be the case now, but one quick note, and it could, could still be the case. Of course, Jason Brooks potentially getting some run at that tackle spot was talked about a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Now, you know, I think you've got a quick note for us on that. Yeah. And you know, he, we talked about it. He took snaps at both guards and at tackle in Vanderbilt. Scott Wright of the Oklahoman wrote an article and there's some quotes from Brooks in it. It's a good article. You should go check it out. He says, coming in, I'm thinking mostly about the tackle position, but I've played multiple positions wherever the team needs me at. I'm just trying to fill a role wherever I can. I'm just trying to work hard this summer and see where things land when fall camp gets going. I just thought that was a little bit interesting because with the Pines news, with the Cole Birmingham injury, you maybe think a guy that has power five experience at guard is going to come in and take that left guard spot. But it sounds like Weber is thinking right tackle. So if he's able to go at right tackle, then I think, I think that moves a guy we've talked about Jake Springfield back with the twos and you kind of see what you've got with, we talked about a Taylor Materko, maybe some other options there at guard, but that's kind of interesting. It sounds like, it sounds like he's been told that if he's going to say that in a quote to the Oklahoma, <laughs> it would be a little weird in the locker room and the film room. If that had not been talked about, I'm looking at tackle. Well, son, there's not a spot for you, but I think there is going to be a spot. He's like, you. I'm looking to play quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I love it. It would be a great surprise if that was the case. I mean, but if Jason Brooks can come in and do that, I mean, does that put a Casey Collier closer to the, to the, to the running for that right tackle spot than maybe we thought initially? Yeah. I, maybe it's a Springfield Brooks Collier all kind of battling for that right tackle spot. Then you've got a Caleb Etienne at left tackle. And it sounds like from from the end, the end part of camp spring game, I know we talked about it a little bit. Maybe Tyrone Weber, yeah. who we thought initially was going to come in and play tackle, could maybe slot in at one of the guard spots. I, I know I know he was struggling a little bit, a little bit maybe undersized, under a little bit not as strong as they would have hoped to play that tackle spot. But it sounds like maybe he is a guy they could see fitting in there at guard. And maybe it's a little bit of a rotation thing. Materico's in the mix as well. Obviously, Hunter Woodard on the other side. But if Brooks is able to come in and play tackle and they don't need him at guard, maybe that's maybe that's a positive. Yeah, no doubt about it. It, it would have to be a net positive, right? That's a guy that you didn't have on your roster this time and last It sounds year. like they feel comfortable with what they have at guard. Which is a yeah, absolutely a great story there. I mean, and that's been that's been the thorn in Oklahoma State's side is just depth on that offensive line over the last several years. They just can't stay healthy enough to form one that performs at the level they need to consistently throughout the year. And so I I can't wait to see what they do. Yeah, I, I'm excited. It definitely reading that article and then seeing you know it was a good article, but just kind of reading through it and then seeing yeah. that tackle quote, I was like, oh, so that must mean he was told that have, have you checked on our friend adam lunt about you know if he's okay with that any any, <laughs> any sign of life from him i'm sure that was great we'll news. have uh 
we'll we'll for sure have Adam on later and he'll he'll tell us we're wrong. He'll tell us why we're wrong. We'll feel <laughs> dumb for a little bit and then we'll have him back on again. Yeah, like it never happened for sure. No <laughs> doubt about it. Well, Dustin, I'll throw it over to you for a quick recruiting update as we wrap up football. Yeah, well, Kate, I know you saw this first bullet point I wanted to hit. It's pretty cool. So Zane Flores has received an invite to compete in the Elite 11 finals. This is a pretty big deal. If you know anything about the Elite 11, you know, they sometimes have it shown on ESPN, things like that. Some of the alumni are Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater, Andrew Luck, Carson Palmer, Ben Roethlisberger, Rogers, Stafford, Tebow, my, my guy, St. Jameis Winston. Some big names. I, I think you've heard of a few of those. Uh, Br- Brock Glenn will be there as well. Who? Oh, yeah. And... Zane Flores is actually the lowest 247 rated recruit there, which is really interesting. It's a bunch of big name four and five star guys. And then our guy Zane. So the fact that he made it as one of the 15 quarterbacks that'll be in Los Angeles at the end of June, pretty, pretty amazing. And makes me feel pretty good about him coming in uh, in 2023. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, that's, that's some good company you just listed off there, Dustin, with, with the exception of Tebow in the NFL. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, it's a fanta- it's fantastic company. I think Mason Rudolph, if I'm not mistaken, was Elite 11 as well. Um, if you think back, I think Wes Lunt even was Elite 11. There's been some good players. Yeah, for sure. Throwback, <laughs> if you remember. Um, come through the Elite 11 program uh, into Oklahoma State. So that's not a bad thing, for sure. Okay, and quick uh, recruiting rundown here. So we got Jordan Sanford, five foot 11, 185 pound, four star safety out of Arlington, put Oklahoma State in his top nine. So normally you see eight or 10 or five or three. Went with a nine here. I like that. Michigan, Northwestern, SMU, TCU, Texas Tech, Utah, Vanderbilt, and Washington are in there. He's the number 27 rated cornerback, number 47 overall recruit in Texas. I think that would be a Pretty interesting get, so some big names in there. Uh, you've got Aaron Hampton, who's, who scheduled an OSU visit for June 6th. He's a four-star 2024 guy, five foot 170-pound defensive back. He also plans to visit California, LSU, Michigan, A&M, UTSA. He is from Dangerfield, Texas. He had previously committed to Texas – or no, he's currently committed to Texas, sorry, previously committed to Baylor – so you got a guy, he's flip-flopping all over the place. He's been in Oklahoma State a couple of times. So the fact that he's visiting after committing, maybe we see another decommitment. So he's a name to keep an eye on there. You've got two wide receivers from Idaho that were offered by Casey Dunn. If you didn't know, Casey Dunn actually played for the Vandals at Idaho back I in the I actually did 90s. not know that. So <laughs> nice, nice dig there. So we've got uh, Kenyon Sadiq and Gatlin Bear. Sadiq is a four-star 2023 guy. I believe he's listed as an athlete, but I think they're obviously recruiting him at wide receiver. He's got a pretty big offer list, over 20 known offers. And then Bear is a three-star 2024 guy. He's kind of just having his recruitment start to pick up. He's got Oregon, Stanford, Utah, Washington State, Boise State, teams like that in the mix. So Oklahoma State's one of the earlier teams there. He's a six-foot-two, 170-pound receiver. Also used pretty heavily on special teams. Got to watch a little bit of film on both of these guys. They both seem like big time contested catch. Their quarterbacks are just throwing up and hoping these guys get it. And they looked like a majority of the time they were coming down with the football. 
Um, some negative news, and then I'll go back to some positive. By Job, we've mentioned we've mentioned him on here a few times. He's the native of Senegal, three-star edge uh, defensive line, kind of Leo spot, 6'5", 230 pounds. Hasn't played football for very long. Came over actually to play basketball, but now he does everything at Community Christian School in Norman. He punts, kick return, punt return. Like I said, he plays defense. He released the top eight. I really thought OSU was going to be on it. They are not. So you can consider them out of the mix. He was a guy I know we've been keeping an eye on, and I think they're out on him. Back to the positives, Jaden Foreman, Oklahoma State defensive line commit from Dell City, had a meniscus tear in his knee. He's full clear to go. So he's back playing football, getting everything going in camp. So good to go there. And then the last little nugget is Jacoby Johnson, 6'3", 183-pound defensive back, four-star out of Mustang. He is going to visit Oklahoma State along with Michigan, OU, and Alabama. So some big names there. He wants to make a decision before senior year. It looks like OU is probably the favorite, but good to be in the mix for a guy that Well, and I had heard Oregon for a while with Jacoby Johnson. So that's that's it's good to know things are changing, hopefully not changing in the direction that you just listed out, but phenomenal <laughs> recruiting update there, uh, Dustin. And Jacoby Johnson is, from all accounts, is one of the better prospects to come out of Oklahoma City in a long time. Like I've, I've heard some big-time things about him. Yeah, and just getting these local guys, Mustang, Dell City, that, that's just big time. So a lot of those camps are going on right now in Oklahoma. I think a lot of the coaches that have been traveling were back last week watching some of the Oklahoma football camps going on so maybe we see some offers come out some new stuff here soon so um, that'll be interesting to keep an eye on I mean just to give you a, a rundown of Jacoby Johnson's offer list over the last couple months Penn State LSU Alabama Miami Wisconsin like those are his most recent offers because everybody else was already in on him so pretty good prospect there hope hope Oklahoma, Oklahoma State can figure something out there yeah uh, with sure. him but great breakdown Appreciate that. Before we move on to basketball, though, let's take a break and hear a quick word from one of our sponsors. All right, guys, listen up. Sponsor on the podcast, Homefield Apparel, is absolutely crushing it. If you haven't checked them out yet, you absolutely need to. I mean, they are leading the charge in premium vintage collegiate apparel right now. Uh, I mean, they are offering vintage college sports t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies with over a hundred schools available. And I mean, they're adding new ones all the time. This is the perfect gift. Uh, Home field apparel for the sports fan, for the college sports fan. You got to go check them out and use our promo code feels 12 to get 15% off your first order. And of course, all orders over a hundred dollars get free shipping as always promo code. Feels 12, 15% off your first order, and all orders over $100 get free shipping at Homefield Apparel. Visit them at homefieldapparel.com. All right, we said last week that the NBA draft entry deadline was closing, and it has. And some news coming out of that, Avery Anderson, as expected, withdrawing from that process, Coming back to Oklahoma State, any thoughts that we didn't already have about that, Dustin? Yeah, kid, you you tweeted out that you were interested in kind of seeing about that. You've talked about it on here, uh, mentioning Courtney Ramey as well, who I know we'll talk about. Not a lot, I think, to analyze on this because yeah. I think every time you and I have talked about the roster when we've answered listener questions, we pretty much had it as a foregone conclusion that Avery Anderson was coming back. 
big time news. Kate, is he is he the point guard then? Well, <laughs> it kind of started to feel that way, isn't it? Yeah, I, I know they've kind of tried that experiment before. It hasn't really worked out. He's had some turnover issues. He's not as great of a facilitator as you would like. But man, can he score? We saw him fill it up multiple times. Uh, we were at the Iowa State game, you and I together, yep. when he put up 34. So it's awesome that he's back. It's big time news for Oklahoma State. It's just, I don't think, really shocking for anyone that's been paying attention. And as, as we've said, we've talked about it on here that kind of we thought 100, almost 100% chance he'd be back. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you, you already hinted at it. So let's just get right to it. I mean, Courtney Ramey, as expected, also pulls out of the NBA draft process. And I just want to say one thing. <laughs> There's a lot of talk about Courtney Ramey and you and I talking about Courtney Ramey. So I want to make one thing very clear. We have not reported anything. We are not reporting anything. I just think that the spot is there if Courtney Ramey wants it. And I do know that at one point in time, there was something to feel good about. But Dustin, Duke is in the picture. Houston is in the picture. Arizona. Louisville, Oklahoma State. I mean, anybody needing a, a point guard right now is in on Courtney Ramey, and the picture is getting uh, a little cloudy. Yeah, I, I hate how Jeff Goodman wrote that tweet like that. So he says Duke and Houston, then he kind of follows it up with Arizona, Louisville. Others, Others. are also involved. Yeah, just, hey, Jeff. Just list, just list them. Yeah, what, 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 what is – what has Louisville done recently outside of Oklahoma state? That, that, that's the same program. Either, either don't list them. Don't list anybody. Just say schools are involved or list all the schools. So especially when it's Duke, because then you make me and Dustin look stupid. Cause that's not a great, that's not great, but no, I mean, how, what's your temperature on this whole situation? I mean, we, we're basically the ones waving the flag for Courtney Ramey coming to Oklahoma state. It's basically me and you dying on this Island. It almost sounds like he kind of went silent until the draft yeah. stuff was done. And now it's kind of picking back up. I, I know that's not what happened, but that's kind of how it feels. So maybe Oklahoma State's able to kind of pick it back up from there. But yeah, I I think you and I are the only ones that really think we have a shot right now. We're we're going down with this ship, I think. But um I'm not, I'm not ready to declare the dream dead. I mean, Musa Cisse committed last year in July. So this this could go on for a little while, but the smoke early after Courtney Ramey exited the uh, NBA draft process has not been favorable to Oklahoma State, and I think that's probably your update there. Wouldn't shock me to see something happen in the next couple of weeks. He seems to be uh, moving in that direction, and Texas doesn't appear to be an option. So um, let's just if he's not at Oklahoma State, let's keep him out of the Big 12, huh? Yeah. Yeah. If he's not, yeah. If he's not in Oklahoma state yet, just, just stay away because Cade, our, ne <laughs> our next, our next agenda, agenda topic, a guy transferred from Oklahoma state and stayed in the big 12. Yeah. Uh, not great. Right. Rondell going to TCU and puke emoji, whatever you want to put there. <laughs> so he's joining back up with his buddy, Mike miles they played AAU together. Cade, does, does Ron Rondell, He's not going to start on this TCU team, is he? Well, um, he could. Is Emmanuel Miller back? You may not know this. I don't know how much you keep up with TCU's ba basketball roster. But here's the deal. He was a 4-3 and three guy for Oklahoma State. 
Okay. He was a good role player, a really good role player. Is TCU going to need that? I don't know. And to answer your question, I wouldn't expect him to start, but there might be a hole there. And if it is, I bet he fills it. Can't fault the kid for wanting to go join his friend in in Fort Worth. But, um, and you know, the other thing, it's hard to knock an interconference transfer when Oklahoma State has reaped the benefit of that with Tyreek Smith. And Bryce Thompson, notably. Oh, so yeah. it's like you you reap what you sow, and and this is kind of a – it leaves a sour taste, in, in at least in my mouth, for sure. I'm wondering if TCU also told him, you know, hey, we, we see you as more than a 3 and D guy. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, heard Mike point and say. Rondell, so I don't know if he was – You're a sharpshooter, like babe. <laughs> I don't know if he was looking for a team to tell him that. But not a huge surprise joining back up with Mike Miles. I know he visited Georgia. We thought maybe he'd land there. But, yeah, I, I mean, good It's going to be weird, huh? Is he going to get booed in Stillwater for that? A little bit? I mean, he'll he'll get booed from my couch. Yeah. For, oh, yeah, big time. I'm anti-booing <laughs> anybody other than the ref at a game. But, I mean, it, it the boos get loud in gallagher but it wouldn't surprise me. I'm not advocating for it. I'm actually advocating against it. Just let the record show, but I won't be surprised. <laughs> All right. Well, another quick update, much more positive, is Brandon Garrison out of Dell City, who just recently picked up a Rivals forecast. We've talked about Brandon Garrison, and this is starting to feel like – I'm not saying he's going to be the number one recruit in the country, but this is starting to feel like the Cade Cunningham recruitment a little bit. Oklahoma State's in on him early. And he's the number 60-something player in, on Rivals. Mm-hmm. Then he gets named to the under-18 team in, in USA Basketball. Mike Boynton is coaching on that roster, is he not? So yes, this is all is. very familiar. Yeah, it's pretty – so he's the number one player in Oklahoma. Like you said, he's 60-ish on Rivals. I think he's 60 on 247, four-star guy. Recently visited, and – now we're seeing a future crest from rivals Travis Graff, like you mentioned, picking Oklahoma State. Could just be random. Doesn't feel random with all that you mentioned, like Mike Boynton on the U- U18 team, the recent visit, him being an Oklahoma guy. I feel pretty good about this. I know it's early, but I do feel good about this. And he's unlike any other guys that Oklahoma State's had in the past. I know it says he's 6'8", 200. I saw him at O'Bray. He's he's bigger than that. He's he's a monster. <laughs> yeah, so that that would be a huge get. I, I believe they list him at center, right? They actually rivals list him at power forward. So he's okay. clearly in between right now. Um, I mean, if I if I had to ballpark how tall I thought he was and how big I thought he was at O'Bray, I'm gonna go nine and a half and three twenty <laughs> is where I'm gonna land. No, I I I would have thought he was six ten. 230 he's just a big kid yeah and and that would be a huge huge get so we'll definitely keep an eye on that one and keep you updated there yeah so big big story there and dustin just to wrap up basketball it was announced this week that oklahoma state's going to partake in a tournament at the barclays center in brooklyn again not unfamiliar territory for oklahoma state they've done this a couple of times and right now it looks like they're going to get Oakland and Virginia Tech up there. And so we're going to play Virginia Tech again. It feels like we've played them a lot here in the last couple of years. Yeah, the Virginia team at Barclays, that, that's cool, just getting a game there. It's, it's awesome for the players. Mike Boynton gets to go back home because if you didn't know, he's from that area, as it's mentioned, I think, all the time. 
So <laughs> that that'll be cool. It's a cool non-conference game, cool road game. I you know, obviously love them all to be in uh to be in Stillwater, but yeah, definitely no cool when you get it. to go to an NBA stadium like that. What's what's gonna be interesting? Uh it's it's an old friend alert game against Virginia Tech. Sean Padola at out of Edmond Memorial plays for Virginia Tech who Oklahoma State did not take. They, I think they could have gotten him and chose not to. And that was actually Ooh. the recruiting class. I believe that was – if it was not the Cade Cunningham class, it would have been the class after with Musa Cisse, Bryce Thompson. He's out of Edmund Memorial, and Oklahoma State passed on him. So that will be interesting. That is and an interesting nugget. He can light it up from three. And so just, to, just something to keep an eye on as that game rolls around because that, that has weird feelings to it. No, I like that. Thanks. He was a 45% three-point shooter last year. Yeah, that's not great. So Dustin than anyone in Oklahoma State. (laughs) But not even really close. You'd take a 40% (laughs) three-point shooter. Somebody would just do it. All right. Let's move right into it. And I want to give a big shout out to our good friend Ryan Winkle for stepping up this week as we did. Oh, actually, Dustin, hold on. I'm I'm putting the cart way before the horse, aren't I? We have golf to get to before we move on because there's NCAA, obviously, to talk about. With the, with the championship not going the way they wanted, I mean, you get to match play, which is what you had hoped for, what you expected. Eugenio Shikara just, just missing an opportunity at a national title was a, a, a revolution oh. of the ball away from, from one. And then you move on to uh, to match play and and losing the first round to Texas of all, of all teams. So a little bit of a disappointing draw for for Oklahoma State in that in that tournament. Yeah, it was tough. They lose they lose three two to Texas in match play. They get there though. They made it to the fifteen team cut. They made it to the eighteen cut to match play. Eugenio Chikara is in a playoff for the individual title in that last round of stroke play. Comes up a little short, tough tee shot on that first playoff hole isn't able to win it, but he's coming back. Basically everybody is back except Gupta. He's going to go pro. So this team's going to be in the mix again next year. And when you've got a guy like Chikara running the show, he's a first team ping all American for the second year in a row up for pretty much every single award. This team's going to be back at it again next year. So tough you'd, you'd love to see them to get to the at least the finals in match play because I, I thought they had the talent to do that and possibly win it but they'll be back at it again next year yeah no doubt i it was heartbreaking to watch you shikara's putt like literally roll i mean it was it was one roll of the ball away and um he put a really good roll on it and actually hit a phenomenal recovery shot from way off the green on that third one to get in position to make a putt on that final on that playoff hole. Um, obviously it doesn't matter though, as, as Sergeant from Vanderbilt hits that putt uh, with a birdie to win the national title. So a bummer, no doubt about it. Oklahoma state doesn't come away with any hardware, but a good end to the season uh, and into a good season rather uh, as they move on and Dustin, a, a humongous story in golf right now. It's in turmoil with the LIV uh, league taking place in Saudi Arabia and the, and the list coming out this last week and, and a notable inclusion, which is what I wanted to talk with you about is our boy, Taylor Gooch. Yes. And Peter Uline, I think was on. Oh, and Peter well. Uline as well. Taylor Gooch was the surprising one. To oh me. yes. I mean, yes. You're hundred percent correct. Cause I mean, this is basically signing your 
life away to the PGA tour outside of majors is at least what it's feeling like right now. The, the split between the LIV and the PGA couldn't be further apart. And Taylor Gooch is going to make a lot of money though. <laughs> a lot of money. Yeah. It sounds like there's guys like Dustin Johnson, stuff like that are going to be getting, like you said, a lot of money, definitely surprising for Gooch though. If, it sounds like the PGA is definitely going to try to reprimand these guys somehow. So it is a surprise because Gooch has been playing really well in the PGA, but you know, who knows with sponsorship money, things like that. There's different reasons why these guys are probably doing that, but it's definitely going to be really wild to see what happens. Are they completely banned? Is it just some kind of fine suspension? Do these guys stay in the league, what all happens there. So two notable OSU names in there, especially Gooch, but definitely an odd thing, an odd odd situation. It makes a ton of sense for a guy like Peter Uline to me. That's not even a question. It's the, it's Taylor Gooch that doesn't, I mean, if it, and I I don't want to speculate, but um, I think if you look around the golf community outside of Dustin Johnson, even that one can be explained a little bit better. I think than Taylor Gooch, I think, Gooch was a rising star in the PGA. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what the PGA chooses to do. And it's, it's certainly a story to keep your eye on. No doubt about it. So uh, Dustin, I would love to finally get to listener questions. As long as you're good with that. Our friend Ryan Winkle stepped in and, and really stepped up this week because last week we had no listener questions. He said he wouldn't allow that to happen. And so let's go ahead and hear from him. What's up guys. I got two for you to make up for last week. So first question if you could fill out your own starting five going into this basketball season with any five former Cowboy players, who would your starting five be? And second question is, if you could choose any former OSU athlete to come back and be the head coach of their sport at OSU in the future, who would you pick? Ryan, you never let us down. Those are phenomenal questions. Before I answer them, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say something. Last week, we got dragged hardcore on Twitter for, for something that we answered a listener question with, and that was our top five quarterbacks. And so as hesitant as I am to answer this question, Ryan, I mean, you know, for me, <laughs> I, I don't even know if I want to. I don't know if I want to do it again. I could definitely answer the second one. Um, because the first one is a thinker and I haven't had a ton of time to think about it. The second question of which former OSU athlete would you rather come back to coach their sport? I mean, golly, it feels like a Brandon Whedon to Oklahoma state football or something like that. Right. I mean, it's hard to think of another one. Yeah. And Ryan, thanks for the question. Apologies for my dogs barking. I had to go on mute there for a second, but it's tough for Oklahoma state because with wrestling, you've got John Smith Mm. back, you know, you've got Mike Boynton right now and you, you know, you don't really want to lose him. Is there a lot of other big name? Oh, I'll throw one out at you. Doug Gottlieb. Yeah. There's a (laughs) Doug, there's Doug Gottlieb. There's not like, you know, there's guys that are younger coaching right now, like a Phil Forte, a Keaton page, but not, not incredibly huge names as some others you could think of. Uh, Baseball's got Josh holiday. So it, they've got former players in a lot of these positions. You've got Mike Gundy in football, obviously. Yeah. I think I think a Brandon Whedon or a guy we've talked about recently is Zach Robinson. He's kind of mm, probably the next like a better hot 
name. He's a former player that's very notable in his sport. I just think if you're going to talk about re- anytime in the near future, I think you got to go with him because right now I kind of like what Oklahoma State has at a lot of their spots in the spots. And then a lot of those spots are filled by former greats like a John Smith or a Mike Gundy. So, yeah, we've we've talked about that. Zach Robinson's a great one. It shows that we listen to these live because I would have probably picked Zach over Brandon Whedon. But um, either one of those guys makes a ton of sense to me. Brandon, obviously not in the coaching industry right now. And so Zach makes a lot of sense. So, Kate, on the first part of the question, I know I know we had some issues with the the quarterbacks. Um and like I said, Cade and I see these questions the day of and normally don't have a lot of time to take notes. So yeah, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes that's the first time I hear it. But so. I can kind of – I can at least probably go through and name – we could go through and name guys that would be in the mix for sure and maybe narrow it down. We'd just spend a ton of time on it. But at the point guard spot, you know, you've got guys like John Lucas, Marcus Smart, John Starks. At, at the other guard, you know, a Tony Allen, a Randy Rutherford – You've got Desmond Mason, Byron Houston, James Anderson, you know, Joey Graham at the forwards, and then Bryant Reeves and probably – I mean, you got to throw Bob Curlin's name in there at center. So those would probably be some of the bigger names in there. I know if you go with like a, a John Lucas, Tony Allen, Desmond Mason, Joey, Joey Graham, Bryant Reeves, your only real three-point shooter there is John Lucas. So if you want to have a team that actually is on the floor – Maybe you have to throw a Randy Rutherford in there for a Tony Allen. Well, my roster for Desmond Mason. So that's kind of where I'm going. My roster, I'm going to go Cade Cunningham at the one. Best point yes, guard to come Cade Cunningham too. State. Sorry, no doubt. About I was it. going back. I was going back like older, even further. But Cade Cunningham, yes, for sure. So I'm going to go Cade Cunningham at the one. I'm going to go Marcus Smart at the three. I'm going to okay. go Phil Forte at the two. Just bear with me, okay? I'm going to go like that, but well, okay. <laughs> you got to have some shooting because you got Cade and Marcus at the one and three. I think you got to have a sharpshooter. You have Randy Rutherford. Phil Forte is your leading three-point shooter of all time at Oklahoma State. So you could also put a Markel Brown there, but I think you need a sharpshooter. At the four, this is where things get a little weird for me. Like, do you go, do you go small ball and throw a, uh, I mean, do you throw Marcus at the four and Tony Allen at the three? This The four is where things get a little weird for me. The five, though, it's got to be big country. Did we have yeah. a cap on how far back you could go? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there was one, but I think the only two options at center are Reeves and Curlin because I know Curlin's a different era, but it's got all the accolades, you know, the podcast. I personally would have loved – He's got the 45 around, around, <laughs> I, for, I, around there. I personally – a great point i would have loved to see Cade cunningham and musa cisse together all right but you didn't like phil forte at the two who do, who are you gonna throw at the two you're you'll never be able to shoot R- rutherford is a great three-point shooter does he, he give you that much more size six three okay i could see that that probably makes I think more he was sense. six three i mean i can look it up while we're talking but i believe i believe i believe he's yeah and i'm I think he was a pretty solid shooter there. So no, he certainly I, I do, was a solid shooter. Um, I do love a, I do love, I do love a Marcus Smart in there as not the point guard though, because you could throw a John Lucas, a John Starks, a Cade Cunningham at the point guard spot. So I do love that. Yeah, I do you love probably have Marcus yeah. around, but 
I just don't know if I could go with Phil, but like I said, I, I do get your point because if you go with a Cade, Tony Allen, Desmond Mason, Joey Graham, Bryant Reeves, mm. you don't have a ton. I, I, Cade's a good shooter too, but may, maybe I go with a Cade. So if I've got Cade out there, maybe just... I go Cade, Marcus Smart, Desmond Mason, Joey Graham, Bryant Reeves, and just hope Cade can be the one shooter. I'm hey, not gonna let me just threes. say one thing. I'm not thing. shooting threes. We are, this is never going to get put on a graphic on Twitter, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, do, you know, I have a soft spot for James Anderson because he was there when I was in school. I know he's not. I know some of the guys we're mentioning are kind of a higher caliber than him, but I always got to throw his name in the mix whenever we're James Anderson this. at the four is really fun. So, okay, I'd like to, I'd like to revise my answer, please. I'm going to go Cade Cunningham at the one. You make a really good point about Randy Rutherford. He is 6'3". I, for whatever reason, I pictured him smaller than that. He's probably gives you more dynamic offense, so he's definitely a fit at the two over Phil Forte. Marcus at the three, Joey Graham at the four, and then Big Country at the five. I love Joey Graham at the four in that lineup. Then you got two shooters. I yep. like that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then you just bully him on the inside. And, and Joey you put Mar- Marcus Smart at the five, Big Country <laughs> at the four. I love where your head's at. We're getting crazy. <laughs> you can do whatever you want with that lineup. No but kidding. Yeah, those, I mean, the names we mentioned, if we forget any, let us know. Uh, but I think kind of the 12, 13 guys we threw out are kind of your 12, 13 best of all time at Oklahoma 100%. State. So there's other names you could throw in there that guys that were really good. But I, I don't know if if you're going with a five. I think we we hit most of them. We may yep. have missed a few. We're dumb, so. <laughs> certainly can be yeah all right dustin i'll flip it to you for some twitter questions yeah so we've got uh a few i think we got four this week and then one in the dms uh from earlier this week so up first is matt claxton at road crew one thanks matt for the question he said who needs to step up this weekend to guarantee a regional victory for the baseball team and then his second question is do you start campbell on friday or hold him for a possible matchup on saturday so we already know they're going with Madero's, but Matt, I love the question because I honestly thought Josh and Rob were going to go with Campbell. Just thinking about how they normally operate, going with the surefire guy, get the win. Missouri State's a team who we mentioned 99 home runs, but I'm also good with Madero's there. So he's looked good since he's come back from the injury. So I think that'll be fine. I, I mean, Cade, what what do you think? Did you have any concerns? I, I know you said earlier you were good with the Madero's on Friday. I, I love Maderos on Friday, and he was actually my first thought. Um, the only problem with him there, you, you're expecting a win Friday. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not going to happen on its own, but you're expecting a win on Friday. And so it's like you, you might pull somebody out of the bullpen as somebody that might need to step up a little bit, like a Mitchell Stone or somebody along those lines who, like, it's been a little shaky, like a Houston Morrill coming out of the bullpen um yeah to to sol- solidify some things could be a good pick there i think the bats you could you could go with a, a marcus brown a rock riggio um because you kind of know but nolan mclean would be another one that i would say he he's a x factor yeah so i was actually thinking about it when i read this question earlier as a kind of not only like kind of how you hit on it, not, not only a step up, like a guy who's already good stepping up, but maybe somebody who's been struggling a little bit. Yep. And I think McLean is, McLean is perfect there because two for 17 in the big 12 tourney, 
He was batting 285 heading into the tournament. Now he's batting 272. Look this up right before the pod. That's a bat you need to get going. If he's a guy who I think who had pretty consistently hit close to 280 towards the end of the year, and then he kind of slumped in the Big 12 tourney. So if McLean can get things going, that would be awesome. You know what he brings on the pitching side. So if he can get things going at the plate and you know, we saw we saw what he can do in the field. If I don't know if you saw that diving play he made at third in the tournament, but he's just a freak out there. So and the two you honestly had the same answers as me. In the bullpen, Huey, his last couple starts, he's looking or his last couple appearances, he's looking looked a little shaky. And we're talking about a guy, a a converted infielder to pitcher, anything he does out there, the fact that he can even hit those mid-90s fastballs is absolutely insane. But he's looked a little shaky recently, so it'd be awesome for him. And then Mitchell Stone is good. I was going to say any of the left-handers out of the bullpen. Yeah. So Stone, Marsh, you're – you you need a left-handed arm. They've needed one all year. They've actually – they've honestly – they've gotten – without it so i'm saying they needed one but they've gotten the seventh seed in the tournament without it but having a solid left-handed arm and stone had a great outing against baylor and then looked a little little rough against tcu i honestly didn't think they should have taken him out but then roman comes in and dominates so yeah we'll we'll kind of see there but i think i have the same answers as you yeah and roman fan soccer was another one i just the bullpen is a huge factor this weekend as as you know, especially if Oklahoma State were to drop a game and you get deeper into your pitching rotation, you just need to have some depth there to show up. And Morrill's a good one. Stone's a good one. Trevor Martin's a good one. Seriously, like, if you're a pitcher, it's, it's, I'm looking at you. Yeah, and the, the bullpen has been has been really good this year. I, I know like probably behind Arkansas, they probably have the second-best bullpen in this regional, and Arkansas is really good. So I, I love that, and that's probably, you know, one reason why some people may say no to Medeiros on Friday, because if you put Campbell out there, you probably don't go to the bullpen at all. Now you're going with Medeiros. He's probably only going to give you five or six, hopefully six. And then you got, you got to use a little bit of the bullpen. So we need the bullpen to step up. That's a great call out, Cade. Yeah. hundred percent. But I, I, here's the one other thing with Medeiros going on Saturday against an Arkansas team. And it's just the prediction is you could get a grand Canyon, no doubt. If you were to throw Maderos against an Arkansas team that has struggled to hit, you could end up saving your bullpen in one of those two games. And so I, they can't make a wrong decision in my mind. Uh, so yeah, that's, no, that's kind of I'm looking I'm, at it. Yeah, I'm fine with it. But a great call on the bullpen there. We've got next up, we got Brian Metcalf at Brian J. Metcalf. Brian, thanks for the question. As always, love you sending these in. He says, Hey, kids, what throwback football uniform would you like to see for the homecoming game this year? Since I want new uniforms, what would you like to see on a new uniform? Uh, assume gray uniforms are out. So, Cade, what would you like for the homecoming game? I, I always think it would be cool if they did do one of, like, the super old throwbacks. I can't like believe the they have it. 1940s or 50s. I would style. love that. I, I, I'm clamoring for it, frankly. The 88 throwbacks are so good. But I, I'm with you. I would love to see, like, a 45 throwback. Oh, it would be fantastic. Would love that. Yeah, that- and a I think I'm gonna have to go with yeah, that. Yeah, and a characteristic on the new uniform that I would love to see, which we were kind of talking like that was going to be a thing. I don't know. Like I, I just assumed after six years in this template that they'd move on. I haven't seen any, seen or heard anything that that would make me think that they're changing. So, um, if there were new uniforms, though, 
they're going to have cursive cowboys on them. It seems like the entire athletic department is moving that direction. You walk into any store right now, it's cursive cowboys all over the place. And that's not an accident. They are leaning heavy into that. I would expect that that would be a, a main staple of the next template that they go with. Yeah, I agree. And I think you and I've talked about it before. We don't hate the Paisley pattern, but I think they could probably move away from that. We've had it for a while now. It's not, it's not like my least favorite thing in the world. It's kind of grown on me a little bit, but I'm red jerseys. I don't like it on the helmet, but the, I think, I think we could go get away from that. Yeah. I I'm, I'm ready for Paisley to just a nice, like rest in peace to, to the Paisley. (laughs) So uh, next up, we've got glory cowboy. He's uh, at, Go rig Sanker. I probably messed that up. Sorry. I, th- I believe you, he's asked a question before, but thank you, Corey Cowboy, for this question. He says, where will the next OSU national championship come from, excluding this year's softball national championship, that is? <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm going to go with golf. That's. I was going <laughs> to say golf next year. Yeah, I, I think, think it's, it's golf. golf. It's golf next year or wrestling. Um as much as I'd love to throw out a, a baseball natty that, that being said, I think Oklahoma state baseball is moving in the right direction. Oh man. The, so the amount of freshmen they played this year, Carson Bench, who didn't even get to play the recruiting class they have coming in. It's going to be, it's going to be excellent for, they haven't even hit the portal yet. You just wait, just wait till yeah. they hit the portal. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. We're going to go with golf on that one now. And then our last uh, question from the mentions. And then we have, like I said, one in the DMS is from our guy, CC at cursive Cowboys Ooh. over under 10 interceptions for Spencer Sanders this season. And Kate, I pulled it up just now. Cause I couldn't remember the exact number, but 12 last year for Sanders. But if you remember, he threw four against Baylor in that big 12 championship game. So going into that conference championship game, he only had eight. So what had are you eight. going over under? Mm. I'm going to take the under. Yeah, I'm going to take the under. I think that the Baylor thing gets figured out. I think they do air it out a little bit more. So just that alone would increase your risk of throwing more interceptions. I don't see them throwing over 10 though. So that's why I'm going to take the under. Um, And you make a good point. Like even some of those interceptions he threw last year before the Baylor game were just kind of those inexplicable Spencer Sanders turnovers. I think he, I could see him ironing that out this year, but I mean, if it's under, I'm taking nine, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. I think eight or nine is a good number. I liked, I liked that breakdown. I think I agree with you there. Um, I just think he's going to have a solid season. I, I thought he had a solid season last year. I mean, if you you take out that game like I said he only had eight so I know you can't do that in the grand scheme he's got to clean that up but I I think he's under 10 and I think it's on a lot of attempts like you said so great great point yeah if the volume goes up and he throws less interceptions this year Oklahoma State's back in Dallas baby yeah I I think that what was the other there's one there's one other thing we keep saying back in Dallas (laughs) If the secondary secondary is just average, they're back in (laughs) Dallas. And if the running backs are just average, they're back. I mean, literally, if Oklahoma State football shows up on on day one, they're back in Dallas by by our rate. (laughs) Okay, so here's our our last question. This is from William Chitwood. He's at William Chit 06. 
He said, not so much of a question, but could you guys talk about a little baseball and softball recruiting? I know football mm. and basketball recruits are big, but I'm curious on what baseball and softball are bringing in. So he sent this question uh, several days ago. So, kid, I was able to – I do pay a little bit of attention on perfect game to baseball recruiting, but I'm not going to lie. I only, For softball, I only know them if they're a big name and it's something that gets sent out on Twitter. But I did a little digging, and I can walk us through real quick on that if you don't mind. I would appreciate you doing so. <laughs> okay, so perfect – if you're not familiar with baseball recruiting, perfect game is probably the best site for that. There's some other ones out there, but they do a really good job. They have Oklahoma State's 2022 class ranked at 29th. Theirs is strictly based, like, off 247, off their own rankings. So Baseball America actually has Oklahoma State at 11th, and I think they're probably a little closer to that 11 than that 29 just because Perfect Game has several players in Oklahoma State's class who aren't ranked, which I believe is bringing it down a little bit. But they have really good top-end talent at the uh, position player side, they also went pretty heavy on the mound because, you know, they're probably going to lose. A few, they're going to lose uh, McLean's eligible for the draft. I believe Kale Davis as well, Trevor Martin. So they're going to have a really solid class as well. At the top of that, Kate is a name you probably know. Our guy, Jackson Holiday, Matt Holiday's son. They have him ranked ninth on perfect game. He's a shortstop out of Stillwater. He's probably going to be a top 10 MLB draft pick. So I don't know if we will see him in the orange and black in Stillwater. It would be awesome. You know, his dad's a volunteer coach. Be cool if he were to come. But Jackson Holiday pretty much, I think it's, a, I think it's pretty obvious that he's going to go to the MLB if he, gets, if he gets a pick like that. But who knows? You know, strange. It's almost like Bobby Witt. It's almost yeah. like that. Yeah, so we'll see there. But the, the next guys at the top of the class are Trenton Shaw. He's a left-handed pitcher out of DeSoto, ranked 122 on perfect game. Then you got Brennan Phillips, ranked 148, a left-handed pitcher, 6'1", 180 pounds out of Owasso. You see they're going with some lefties because their bullpen and pitching staff right now is pretty primarily right-handed, as we've talked about. Got Gabe Gabe Davis, another top uh, 200 guy, right-handed pitcher, 6'8", out of Choctaw. Another pitcher, Luke Fernandez, ranked 383. Manning West, 435. Another pitcher, Michael Benzor, another pitcher. Phoenix Meza is your first position player. Uh, I'm going in ranking order. It's a shortstop out of Texas. Then you've got Dominique Reed, Cade Shatwell, both right-handed pitchers. Uh, Cade is out of Edmond Santa Fe. Dominic's from Texas as well. Then you've got Derek Smith, the catcher out of Arizona. And wrapping up the class with Daniel Swirsky, a shortstop from Florida. So, Pretty much everybody is ranked in the top 500 on a perfect game. I think it's going to be a good class. I would expect Baseball America to probably keep them in that top 20 perfect game, maybe move them up a little bit from that 29 spot, but got some good, some good names there. It'd be awesome if Jackson came to Stillwater, but I completely understand him wanting to take a bunch of money in the MLB. Man, that would change a lot if he were to come to Stillwater. Um, you think Oklahoma State's going to make a run at Tommy White? Who just broke oh, the NCAA record see that. for home runs and yes, entered from the portal? NC State, correct? Yeah, yeah, from NC State, and I just like to come out and 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 make an offer, an NIL deal of sorts. Let's get him to Stillwater, and and let, you and I like let's figure out a way to fund that. Yeah, he could be the feels the like forty five hundred percent sponsored by hundred percent. So, 
Um, that would be awesome. He's he's a big time name. I'm sure a lot of schools will be after him. And then, okay, just real quick, wrapping it up on the softball side, really good class uh, led by Hayden Sokolowski, a position really needed as they're going to lose Kylie Naomi at shortstop. She is a shortstop from Flower Mound Marcus, which mm, is familiar. Yeah, smart Phil Marcus Forte smart. from there. She's ranked 31st overall on Softball America, 17th on Extra Inning Softball. Those are the two main sites. Extra Inning, shout out to our guy Jeff and GPS, our GPS chat. He uh, told me about Extra Innings. They're the kind of main site there. She's the number three infielder on Extra Innings. So big time. You've got a right-handed pitcher, Kyra Adcock. She's ranked 10th in as a duo pitcher. So what Extra Inning does is if a pitcher – plays another position or hits at a really high level they rank them separately so she's the number 10th duo pitcher and the number i think 26th overall player she also plays first base she's from georgia you got lexi mcdonald primarily third baseman plays first as well she's from silo oklahoma she's the number six third baseman on extra innings she got recruited as most of these girls do out of eighth grade (laughs) <laughs> which I always think is funny, but she said she, uh, I saw a little interview with her on Softball America. She said she ran around her house screaming when she got the uh, text from Coach Gajewski telling her that she was going to be offered. So that was That's unlike cool. that dude that committed to uh, USC. <laughs> Lovelace. Yeah, yeah, Lovelace. <laughs> and then uh, wrapping up with Claire Tim, infielder, number nine infielder on extra innings. She plays third, short second outfield from California. And Angelina Craig, She's uh, strictly outfield, number 55 outfielder on extra innings from Illinois. On her Twitter, it says she's a Marshall athlete, which is kind of cool. She's sponsored by them. She can play pretty much anywhere, but she's listed as outfielder. So that's awesome. Sokolowski and Acock, the big names there. Then you got the local girl, McDonald, wrapping it up with Tim and Craig. So a little softball recruiting for you there. Well, I mean, you want recruiting? Here's a big old spoon for you. Open up. (laughs) Dustin's got it. That was awesome. You yeah, nailed it. Uh, don't say uh, I never did anything for you, William. <laughs> or me. Sheesh. I didn't even see the question. And you just roll in here with a big old stack of papers, basically, is what just happened. He gave me a ton of time on that one. I think he asked it like five days ago. So. Fantastic. Well, well done, Dustin. And William, we won't charge you for that one. But the next one, <laughs> next one you're going to have to pay for. So, all right, man. Well, this was fun. I had a really good time and uh, I can't wait. I know you can't either. We're probably 20 minutes from first pitch for Cowgirl softball. So, you know, though, if that Florida game goes long, I mean, we're you're going to get the live listen that we talked about. Yeah. So let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one, Kate. Thanks. Uh, thanks for all the info, the notes. Thanks for all the listener questions, everybody. Ryan, thanks for sending in the audio and do- doubling it up for missing the other week. We That's right. You now, so thank a you. Double, a double scoop. You, you can never go wrong. Dustin, appreciate you, brother. If you're not already, follow us at Feels Like 45 Pod. It is a huge weekend for OSU sports, so keep it locked with the Twitter account. You won't be disappointed. Uh, Dustin, I don't know if you're going to get up to a break this weekend. I think I might. So hopefully, if you're there, say what's up. Uh, tell us what you like, don't like about the podcast, or just just say what's up and leave the other stuff. I out. will. I will be at softball. So, oh, fantastic! I'm either gonna when the cowgirls win, I'll go on Saturday. But if for some weird reason they lose, I will be there on Friday. Either way, I'll be there. Though. Okay. Well, if you see either of us out and about, say what's up. We'd love to see you. Follow Dustin on Twitter at Dustragu and follow me at Cade Webb. Appreciate you, man. Have a great weekend, and let's come home with some hardwood or some hardware, not some hardwood. It's been a long week. I apologize.
Go Pokes. We'll see you next week.